Sister Jessica, if she'd bring her special. Amen. Certainly appreciate what the Lord has done for our church. Amen. Certainly appreciate those that come back to our church. Brother Jason, thank you. Amen. Those that are here giving their gifts and talents unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for Sister Jessica and Sister Sarah Beth and the testimonies that they hold. Amen. Let's worship together with them.
stand and sing. Amen. In the midst of your enemies, hallelujah, but we should still give praise to the Lord God. Amen. In the midst of a trial, say, I've been here before. Amen. But he knows each one of us and he knows what we need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how bad your week was. We're here in church this morning. And whose report will you believe? Sing it again with all your heart now. 
Amen. And think of what the Lord has done for each one. It's not just Drew. It's not just Sister Alana. It's not just Brother Ron. It's you this morning. Hallelujah. Well, tell me who's Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, what an honor it is to gather once again with your people. Lord, to come into this house, Lord, in your presence, Lord, feeling you already moving in this place, Lord, amongst the worship. Lord, I pray now that you will just completely take control of this vessel. Lord, as a human, I might say things wrong, and as a human, there's nothing I could say that would even help these people. Lord, but these are your people, Lord. They're they're a portion of that purchase that you bought there at Calvary. Lord, and I know that you will come and you will speak to them, Lord, and you will feed them. Lord, I'm asking that you'll shut my mouth, Lord, in every area that you wouldn't want me to speak. But Lord, where you have given me, Lord, unction and things to look at, I'm asking that you would take control and break the bread of life this morning. Lord, I believe that what we have this morning is from you. And I pray that you'll just help me to get out of the way, Father, and deliver it to your people the way it was delivered to me. Father, we're looking unto you now. We're thanking you, Lord, for all you've done. We're looking at your report this morning. Lord, we're laying aside the negativity. We're laying aside the attacks of the enemy, recognizing that anything that isn't here to push us over across the river is from the enemy. And we lay those things aside now. We look unto your word. We ask that you'll bless it and that you'll anoint my mouth and the hearer's ear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Ask that you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis, the 49th chapter. Amen. Genesis, 
the 49th chapter. When I came out, I saw Brother Josiah sitting over here, which means that somewhere, Sister Anna with us. Hey, Sister Anna, God bless you. It's wonderful to have you and the children with us. And also, it, it did my heart good to, to hear my friend Jason sing a while ago. That was wonderful. God bless you, you and your family, Sister Lisa. So glad to have y'all with us this morning. I pray that you'll be blessed here as we partake in the word. Genesis 49, in the first verse. It says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi, our brethren, instruments of cruelty, are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hands shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet unto Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. He shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. And he shall be for a haven of ships and his brothers shall be unto Zidon. Issachar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good in the land that it was pleasant and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels so that his riders shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Amen. I pray God will add his blessing to the word as you have your seats. I want to look briefly at one other scripture. Matthew 1 verse 22. It is incomplete in a sense that it goes into the 23rd verse, but I'm only going to read this, this portion. It says, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying brother Branham says the spirit left him in the garden of Gethsemane he had to die a man remember friends he didn't have to do that that was God God anointed that flesh which was human flesh if he had went up there as God he'd have never died that kind of death can't kill God but he didn't have to do it but remember he went there with you in him 
See, God had never separated the bride from the groom yet. So when God looked down upon the body of Christ, he saw both male and female. It was all redeemed in that one body, see? They are one, same, same word. Same word spoke of the groom speaks of the bride. Hallelujah. That right there ought to give us something to be excited about this morning. I tell you right now, before we even get going, I'm looking for God to move this morning. You know, Brother Jason sang about being in the valley. It seemed like the valley all hit all at once this morning. Woke up with the roof leaking and water coming into my bathroom. And I said, well, we're going to have a good time today in church. Amen. So we're just going to get right into it. Looking back at Matthew 1, verse 22, where we read from, it's a phrase right in the middle of the verse here in Matthew that strikes me. And I've actually preached specifically on that phrase before. And it says that it might be fulfilled. Now, what I want to speak to you on this morning is crossing into fulfillment crossing into fulfillment and right there it says that it might be fulfilled it says this phrase in the bible 11 times now there's a lot of different times way more than 11 that we see fulfillment in the scriptures but specifically in the bible 11 times it says that it might be fulfilled and it's always a reference to different events taking place whether it's a king rising up or or a specific thing that happened to Jesus on the cross or Joseph and Mary having to go down into Egypt that the scripture might be fulfilled that out of Egypt I have called my son there's many different examples like this and it's a phrase that says no matter what God's word is going to come to pass No matter what, no matter who he has to move, no matter what he has to have rise up, no matter what valley you have to go through, it's all happening that it might be fulfilled. Now, like I said, there's many other ones throughout the Bible where we see fulfillment, where we're just referencing this phrase, and we're going to look at a few of those scriptures this morning. Brother Branham would say, God spoke it, it's got to be so. Thy word is settled in heaven forever. It's already said. They don't argue about it up there. You know, we may argue about what it means here and when's this going to happen and how that's going to happen. But in heaven, they don't argue about it. He said it. It's done. It's settled. And sometimes we wonder, well, when? Well, when? Well, when? Because we are time beings. And so we're curious about time. God is not a time being. He is an eternal being. And when he speaks, that word is an eternal word. It's going to come to pass. He said, they don't argue about it up there. It's already settled. We argue about it, but in glory, it's settled. When God says anything, it's got to be. Well, isn't that wonderful? I believe we could echo the prophet right there. Well, isn't that wonderful? Because there's a word that says you're healed. There's a word that says you're delivered. There's a word that says you're going to have a rapture. There's a word that says these things. It's already done. It's already settled. It's already finished in heaven. And that's where it matters today we know that that fulfillment brings faith I know we're not to always look at it that way we're supposed to believe even when we don't see anything and as Christians as Abraham's seed we do but when we do see fulfillment it does elevate our faith to another level brother Joe talked about that some in, in some of his sermons recently when we see the fulfillment of by his stripes we are healed it elevates our faith When we see the fulfillment of not even cancer, then it elevates our faith. It elevates us to believe for even more. Yes, every one of us, as we heard, have a measure of faith that was given to us by God. But that faith can be increased. That faith can elevate. And when we see the fulfillment of things, it causes that faith to raise up. 
And not only in the sense of things for like your healing or for your personal victory, but if we will look at things through faith, if we will look at the events going on in the world around us through faith, looking at these events through faith in his word will stabilize you as a Christian. How many Christians are up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and you're wondering why is there no stability? Why are they not stable? And it's because they're not looking at things through faith. So every wave tosses them. Everything's taken the wrong way. Everything is offensive. Oh, well, this. Oh, up, down, up, down. Because there's no stabilizers on the ship. But we got to begin to look at things through the eyes of faith. Understanding that God is going to fulfill everything God said he would do. So if we look at everything even in the world through the eyes of faith, it will stabilize you. People tend to get so shook by the things happening in the world. They get shook at the evil around them. They get shook at what's going on in Russia. They get shook by the economy. We're getting shook by gas prices. We get shook by the Sodom condition that's all around us. But if we view those things through the word, it does not and it will not shake you. You say, yep. That's exactly what the word said was going to happen. That's exactly how the word said things were going to be. I'm looking at it through. This is just God fulfilling exactly what God said he was going to do. The word foretold it would be this way. So many times we want the rapture. We want the rapture. It's the end time. Praise the Lord. End time message. And you look at it. What's all this happening? What's going on? I don't know. The thing you said you believe for 30 years. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. There's a world getting into an end time condition because God's word will be fulfilled. Listen, the end times, whether you're a believer or not, the end times aren't going to be rosy for us. It's not going to be easy. Well, I didn't think these things were going to befall us. As long as we're here, things are befalling. As long as we're living in this world, there's things we're affected by the things that go on. It's not going to be rosy, but I am looking for their fulfillment. Therefore, I can recognize why I can place them in the scripture and recognize, lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. So instead of getting shook, I'm getting a little bit excited. I'm recognizing church. It can't be long now. It can't be long till our loved ones will appear to us. It can't be long until we go into a rapture. I'm placing them according to fulfillment. All this stuff going on, what's it mean, Brother Aaron? It means we're one step closer. What's it mean? It means we're going home soon. This world has to be in an end time condition. And I feel like, and I'll speak for myself, but most of us probably felt like that we knew how bad it would be and we knew how wicked it would be. And every now and then we look back and we go, man, I thought it was bad 10 years ago. I thought it was bad in the 90s. I thought it was bad in the 80s. And we thought we knew, but I believe we come to a point where we recognize it is a complete open and bottomless pit. And even when you think it's gone as far as it can go, it's still going. It's still sliding. It's going further and further. Brother Branham says, look at all the televisions and things, getting these fictitious things in order. It'll come a time, I predict, that people will be completely, totally insane. Check. The world will be. The Bible speaks of such hideous sights as they show in movies today of some prehistoric creature's eggs that's lived in the earth for so many thousands and millions of years hatch and come forth. That's just a minor thing to what's going to happen. 
when hell is open and the devil comes out with all of this mysterious things and locusts with hair like women and teeth like lions, while the world will be completely, totally insane, it's not but just one degree from it now. 1965. I, Brother Brandon was a prophet, so I don't want to see, I don't want to say that he didn't see how bad it was going to get. But I'm just saying, reading that quote in 1965, how much worse do you think it is now? He said they were just a hair from being totally insane then. Where do you think right now? Look, we're well beyond 1977, the farthest the prophet of God could see because of the darkness. We're well beyond that time. How insane do you think the world is now? How insane is it when people who stand for life are considered bigots? How insane is it that that you people are considered the oddballs in the world? How insane do we have to be when you look at the things being argued about in politics? It absolutely makes no sense to a sane person. But sanity is quickly becoming insanity because you're not like the people who are insane. The world has gone completely mad. The world is in an insane condition. And yet I want to remind you that if the world is sitting in an end time condition, if the world has completely lost their mind, if the height of the tree of good and evil has reached its apex, then there has to be another people on the earth today, part of the revelation of the bride tree that has also reached its height. A people that is also in an end time condition. We're not in a condition for atomic bombs, but we're in condition to be taken off the earth. We're in a condition marching the onward Christian soldier. We're in a condition following the message of the hour. We are also in an end time condition. And I'm thankful to say we're in an end time condition. We are in a rapture condition. We can't look at it through earthly eyes of, 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 well, how can it be that, that we're in a rapture condition? How can you say that? I see this one struggling and I see that one falling away. And, and this church up here just split. And, and this one over here is preaching false things. And then this preacher, he's attacking this preacher. You're looking at it through earthly eyes. But I say look at it through the eyes of one who said, I will have a bride without spot and without wrinkle. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know they don't argue about it in heaven. I know they're not fussing about it in heaven because it's been said. It's already done. I'm just going to walk in the fulfillment of it. I'm just going to believe it. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I didn't say it. I didn't make the promise. He made the promise. He's the one that's going to bring it to pass today. Hallelujah. He said it. I believe it. Somebody is going to fulfill it. The things that we look at for the future, like the rapture. These are not characterless events. They're events that someone is going to be a part of that story. Someone is going. Sometimes we tend to look at it as just an event. It is no event without a people. It is no story without a character. The acts weren't just acts written about nobody. It was people doing the works of God. It was people letting the Holy Spirit act through them. And they recorded the acts of those people. The rapture is going to be your story. You are the characters of the rapture because someone must play the part. Someone is going to look at the promises through faith and not through the eyes of of earthly eyes and look through eyes of doubt. Abraham looked away from circumstance. Abraham looked away from the fact that his body was now dead and he looked to the fulfillment. 
we have to begin looking to fulfillment. There'd been a word given and Abraham knew my God will fulfill everything that he said. He began to look at everything through the word of God. We have to let the word of God become our filter. Because if you let your mind be your filter or your genetics be your filter or your eyes be your filter or what somebody told you be your filter, you'll be so twisted up, torn up, upset. But you got to go back to what the word said. This is our filter. This is what we're looking through. This is what we're standing on. This is what I have faith in. I don't have faith in this church. I don't have faith in anything other than the word of God. I don't look to a man because man will fail you. Don't look to me. I will fail you. But the word of God will never fail you. Look to the word of God because it will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Don't miss God because we view him and view our circumstances through the eyes of flesh. Because many times God is in things. God is working in things and he's working through situations and we fail to recognize it because we're looking at the situation through hurt eyes. Or we're looking at the situation through scarred eyes. Or we're looking at the situation through tired eyes. I've been through so much. And we're looking at these things through eyes of doubt instead of through eyes of faith. Put everything through the word. Bring everything back to the word. We have to look at things through eyes that say, I know God's word will be fulfilled no matter what the situation You are the royal seed of Abraham. If Abraham could look away from circumstance, that's what we're going to do. Because we will be just like that. We'll look away. We will look to the promise. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how long my son's been out there. I don't care how long this sickness has battled. I know God gave a word. I will stand on the word. I will look for fulfillment of the word. I will fulfill the word. It's time that we begin to look at our situations as actual opportunities for, for, for fulfillment. This sickness is an opportunity for the scripture to work. My child has left, but this is an opportunity for me to kill the fatted calf. I'm not saying that we look for these situations and, and that we're welcoming these situations. But what we do is we take these situations and we place them properly in the word. And we begin to look for the purpose in our situation. Begin to find the purpose in your trial. Instead of giving the devil credit for every single thing the devil did and the devil did and the devil did. I'm sure Joseph thought it was the devil that had him down in Egypt. But it was God fulfilling his word. Find the purpose in your trial. Oh God, I don't know why I'm here. But I know if I'm here, you're going to take care of me. You're going to bring me through it. Your will will be fulfilled in this situation. We don't welcome it, but we must find a purpose in it and place in this trial. We must begin to look for fulfillment. Not only for fulfillment in the sense that I want to see things fulfilled, but I want to fulfill. Not just I want to see it fulfilled out there. Just like I just don't want to see a rapture happen. I'd really rather view it from the inside. (laughs) I don't just want to see things fulfilled. I want to fulfill the part I'm called to fulfill. I want to walk into fulfillment. The time has come for the fulfillment of all of God's word. Oh, Brother Brown says, now, you know what the story came out. This is lengthy, but bear with me. 
What was it? Years had passed, but the time had come for that word to be fulfilled. When the season rolled around, don't you worry, the crop will be there. That's right. And brethren, if there ever was a time, for the next few minutes now, I want to talk to you, to your heart. If there ever was a time, the time has come for the word to be fulfilled. It's now. The time had come in the Andalusian world for God to show his word made true to the Andalusian people. He respected Noah. The time had come in Babylon where they'd laugh God to scorn. They made fun of the Hebrew children. They laughed at them, told them they was old fogies and everything. They had to be modern, but they stayed put. God respects that staying put. And they had laughed at them, thrown them in jail, done everything to them. But finally, the time come for God to speak. And he showed his power. He was able to deliver them from the fiery furnace. He showed his power when the time come. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the time had come for God to move out and to speak. And he closed the mouth of the lion by sending an angel into the den with Daniel. Jesus, just before Calvary, the time had come when the proclamation must be signed. The time had come when Mary was coming from a well that day with a pot of water on her head. The time had come for the visitation of the Savior and a virgin was was to conceive and bear a son. The time was there, regardless of what the world didn't even believe it, was there right in line with their teaching. But the time had come. And when the time has come, it's going to happen. Amen. The angel Gabriel met the virgin and told her she'd be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost and would bring forth a son. And he'd be the son of God. Never had happened in all the world, but the time had come. When every Jewish woman had waited and watched for the time, hoping it would be her. But the time come when God made his choice. God makes choices. The time come when John the Baptist was born as a forerunner to fulfill the word of God. Because he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness in Isaiah 40. That there'd be one. Several hundred years before he come. The time come for John to be born. And when the time come, John arrived on the scene. The time had come after Jesus' death, after Calvary, the time come that he must die for the sins of the world. He died just according to the scripture because everybody believed that lined up with the word. When the time come, it must be fulfilled. The time come for the scriptures to be fulfilled. They put him in a grave. They put a seal on the grave. They garrisoned a bunch of soldiers, a century, a hundred men armed around there to be sure that nothing would take place. I tell you, the devil can put what he wants around you. He can put what he wants around your children. He can put what he wants around your health. But when the time comes, there ain't nothing going to stop it. I'm telling you, the time has come for fulfillment. The time has come for healing. The time has come for a rapture. The time has come that we begin to fulfill all that we are called to fulfill he says for three days he lay there friday saturday sunday but on sunday morning the first easter no matter how many armies was there how well they was garrisoned the time had come for the word of god to be fulfilled oh i'll not suffer my holy one to see corruption neither will i leave his soul in hell the time had come i don't care what takes place it's gonna happen anyhow the time had come and an angel come from heaven. The men fell like dead men. The grave opened. Christ walked out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The time had come. And the word that speaks of the groom uh, speaks also of the bride. I say the time has come for us to begin to fulfill the things that we are called to fulfill in this last day. The time has come. And when the time comes, there's nothing that the enemy can do about it. The time has come for the fulfillment of all things. The time has come for the prodigals to return. The time has come for us to go in and to possess the land. The time has come for a body change. The time has come for the dead in Christ to rise. The time has come 
for everything to be fulfilled. I want to go back to the very beginning now in Genesis 3. And we're focusing for a while here on it will all be fulfilled. Crossing into fulfillment. Verse 3. It says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Notice here that the attack is that one word could possibly fail. The attack is that it is possible for one word to fail. Because if one word can fail, then what about this word? And that one, don't, you know, I've never been able to understand that one. And if that one could fail, then what about this one? And then if that one can fail, then what about this? And if I want to point out where the prophet was wrong here, then what about here? And because of here, well, maybe I need to have this discussion with somebody. No. You need to remember that the word of God is true. You need to remember that the prophet was a vindicated prophet by Almighty God. And he brought a message to take you in a rapture. That's what you need to remember. If one word can contradict another, then what about this one? And what about this? And then it all begins to unravel. And then you have no place to stand. You have no firm foundation. And next thing you know, you step off into a bottomless pit. And there's nothing to stop you. Because when you get to the place that you can't believe in one word or this word, the next thing it leads you to is there is no God. There is nothing. And now you're in the bottomless pit over and over and over and tumbling and you have no place of rest. But the prophet would say to the believer, if God said it, that settles it. There's your resting place. If God said it, that settles it. There is your resting place. I'll tell you today, evening like tabernacle, that you can hang your soul on every single word that God has spoken. It will be fulfilled when the time has come. I believe that we are walking in the season of fulfillment and that the time has come for the fulfillment of these things. And God's not going to let any of it fall. He says in Jeremiah 1 and 12, then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I will do what I said I was going to do. We're going to take just a few examples now as we slow down and go through this scriptures to drive this point home. Ezra 1.1, and I'm going to read, this is going to be brief, and I'll be moving quickly. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Matthew 2.15, and was there until the death of Herod. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Matthew 2, 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew 8, 16. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits. With his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our firmities and bare our sickness. Micah 5 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto thee that is to be ruler in Israel 
whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Then you take that over to Luke 2 and 1. Now, here's a scripture. You can put that back up. Micah 5 and 2. And it says, out of Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. And now Mary's getting close to having this child, and yet they're in Nazareth. And if you were viewing this from the outside going, yeah, how are they going to fulfill this one? I mean, they, they got no reason to go to bed. That's a long journey. That is a long journey, and she's not going to be happy about it. This isn't going to be any fun. And yet then you look over to Luke 2 and 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Skip to verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone unto his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. The taxation of an entire nation was to fulfill a scripture from the Old Testament. Brother Branham would say, I bet all those priests were griping and fussing and Caesar this and say, can you believe these taxes? Yeah. Sounds like my living room. Can you believe these gas prices? And can you believe this? And can you believe that? And, and they're taking this federal tax and they're taking taxes to fix the roads and they sure ain't fixing the roads. Then they tax my vehicle to drive on roads to make sure my car's worthy to drive on roads that are unworthy. <laughs> Took me 30 minutes, but I hit home with some of you. <laughs> I'm telling you. And Brother Brown says, not knowing all along that every one of those things was just to fulfill a scripture. Get your eyes off the circumstances. Quit worrying about the world falling apart around you. It's supposed to fall apart. And recognize there's a bride getting ready to leave here. There's a scripture that says we're going to go. And it has to get us in an end time condition. Get us there, Lord. Do whatever it takes to get me ready. Do whatever it takes. I want to leave here. I don't want to be comfortable here. I'm tired of here. And if it takes my axle getting knocked out on I-20, whatever. I just want to go. But please don't let my axle get knocked out on I-20. Not recognizing there was fulfillment happening. Fulfillment of Bethlehem. Brother Brown says another thing we want to notice is just at the very time that he had to raise taxes on the people. And in doing that, it forced Joseph and his wife to be forced back to Bethlehem. God knows how to do things. Church, don't ever forget that. God knows how to do things. As I said Wednesday night, I mess up a lot of stuff. Every time I get my hands in and think I know how to do something, I mess things up. But God has never messed up one time. He knows what he's doing. He knows where your kids are. He knows the situation in your home. He knows and he knows how to fix it. He knows and he's taking care of it. He knows and he's already on the scene. He knows and he's moving on your behalf. God knows this morning and he cares. And I'm looking for the fulfillment of what he's promised me. Psalm 78 and 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. Matthew 13, 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. Psalms twenty-two, eighteen: they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Matthew 27, 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Look, not one word is going to fall to the ground boy. Not one word is put in the Bible just to take up space. Not one promise is there that's not going to be fulfilled. There's just got to be somebody with the initiative that says, I'll cross over and I'll fulfill what the promise said I was supposed to. The promise said I was supposed to inherit that. The promise said that is where I'm supposed to go. I'm not going to stop short. I'm not going to stop on this side. I'm not going to be okay with one child saved. I'm not going to be okay with a partial healing. I'm not going to be stopping just at justification. There is more promise for me. There are promise to be fulfilled and I am going to cross over into to fulfillment of the word of God. God knows what he's doing. I want to remind you today that the circumstances are not in control. God is using the circumstances to get you where you need to be and to fulfill the promises that he's already written and the promises that he has given. Every scripture, every word, everything spoke about you will come to pass. Everything spoke about you will come to pass, but you got to keep your eye on the promise and get it off the circumstance. Keep your eyes on the word because somebody is going to fulfill it. Hold fast that which you have. Fight for it. Be willing to stand for it because somebody's going to fulfill it. Others may stop short. Others may find a good place to stop. But I say, I want to fulfill what God called me to fulfill. I can't really worry about what other people do. Look, I love this church. I love these people. But it's not for my experience isn't based off what you do. My inheritance isn't based off what you do. I have to go get the inheritance. I have to press into the land. I have to press into the promise. The other tribes couldn't help that, that, that Reuben and Gad stopped short. They had to press in. They still had a land that they had to possess. Malachi 4 was sent to turn us back to faith. To turn us back to the book of Acts. Back to the works that I do shall you do also. And somebody's going to fulfill that. Some people are just going to find out that God sent a prophet. Some people are just going to accept a new lifestyle, make you no different from the Amish. But some people are going to return to the faith of the original church. They're going to turn back to the original grain. Somebody is going to go all the way back to the upper room experience and walk through the book of Acts and create another book of Acts. I say it's time to add a chapter. I say it's time to write your chapter in the book of Acts. Tell about your healing, your deliverance, your overcoming, your salvation, your experience with the Holy Ghost. It's time you write your chapter in the book of Acts. Somebody's going to overcome Laodicea. Somebody is going to take the land of the Holy Ghost. It might as well be us. You've been fighting and you've been journeying. Why stop short? You've gone through all you've gone through. Why stop short? Press in this morning. Press over this morning. Brother Branham says, now we're going to speak just a few moments on the authority of God's word. 
Every word of God is a written sworn authority. It's the absolute right of the believer to accept this as the infallible truth because it's God's word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, saith the Lord. It must be fulfilled in its season. We are in the season for fulfillment. Now, going back to where we were Wednesday, God had promised Abraham this land, and he had promised that foretold the children of Israel would end up in Egypt or in a strange land and serve them for 400 years, and then they would be delivered, and then they would come out with great substance. And here we are, God has fulfilled his word that he told Abraham about his seed dwelling in a strange land for 400 years there in Genesis 15, 13. And he had fulfilled his word about the nation that would enslave them and then them being judged there in Genesis 15 and 14. It's also in this verse, in Genesis 15 and 14, where God declares to Abraham that they're going to come out with great substance. And this had also been repeated to Moses in Exodus 3. If you look at Exodus 3 and 21, it says, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. I got to admit, you know, we all look at things sometimes and we're like, how? Look, I know I've been your slave for 400 years, but can I have all your gold? Please. Okay, how about some silver? And they just said, yeah, here, take it. it. Come on in. Go through the China cabinet. Have a, you know, I was saving this for my son's college. But he don't need it. There you go. Just go, go ahead. It never really made sense to me. Now, I understand that the way it happened is because he said, I will give this people favor. But I'm still trying to envision it. Like, what was their attitude? Oh, man, I, was, I thought you'd never ask. I wanted to give it to you last week, but you didn't come by. So I just held on to it. Yeah. Fella down there, he's super rich. I'd go knock on his door. I just, I, I've always looked at it, and I'm not real smart, so that's kind of what I came up with, was that, that I just told you. And sometimes we look at things and we wonder, how, Lord? This, this would fall under the category of how to me. If you're standing there on the outside and you're observing, or, or you're actually there as one of the slaves, and Moses tells you, Okay, and just, go, I want right, you, you got that neighborhood. Go knock on their doors, ask for their goal. That's, that's where my taskmaster lives. Yeah, go there first. <laughs> how, Lord? How, how is this going to work? You've been told your whole life, you're nothing. You've had everything stripped from you by these people. They've been taken, and they've been taken, and they've been beating you, and you've been told you're worthless. You've been told you can't leave. You've been told you'll never possess the promise. You might look at this and go, slaves and great substance don't exactly go hand in hand. But never forget how quickly circumstances can change in the presence of God. Never forget how quick he can change. It only takes one moment in his presence. One moment in the presence of God. You can be sitting there a sinner and then you can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One moment can change everything. You walk in here sick, you can walk out of here well. Walk in here bound, walk out of here free. And you might look at it and go, how, Lord? I know that guy. I, I know how did that happen. One moment in his presence is all it takes. 
Oh, but my situation's bad. This is bad. This is bad. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Let me remind you, one day Ruth was gleaning in the field trying to survive, and the next day she owned the field. One day she was a poor beggar, and the next day she owned it all. It only takes a moment in the king's presence. It only takes a moment. Never forget how quickly God can work. One moment can change everything. One moment, old dad was sitting on the porch crying because his son was gone. The next moment, he's running down that road to greet his son. One moment's difference. One moment, my child left. The next moment, my child's come home. It only takes one moment. It only takes a moment in his presence. It only takes one moment and everything he's robbed from you, he's going to have to give back. Your health, he's got to give it back. Take it back this morning. Fight for it this morning. It may not come easy, but he's got to give it back. He says, oh, you've done this sin. You struggled with pornography. You've been in drugs. You've been backslidden. You've done this. You've done that. You're my slave. You can never be free. You can never be rich in peace. You can never be rich in joy. You can have your children back. You can never have overcoming power. And he takes and he takes and he takes just like the slaves they were beaten and took from, beaten and took from. But you just keep plaguing him. You just keep pouring out the plagues. You just keep standing and refusing to bow. You just keep calling on the name of the Lord. And one of these days he's going to say, I've had enough. Take your joy. Take your peace. Take your children. Take your rapture and just get out. I've had enough. In one moment's time, get out of my kingdom. You are keeping Satan from enjoying his kingdom. He's sick of you. He's tired of you. He tells you you're going to break. You're going to break. No, sir, I'm going to leave. He's going to get so tired of you. He's going to say, take it. Just take it and go. Hallelujah. Take it and go. church I'm ready to go there's a pool from up there and it's stronger than the pool from below I'm ready to go you know some of the writers look look into the Psalms and they say that the Egyptians actually gladly gave them all their riches as long as they promised that they would leave and take the plagues with them Here's your joy, here's your peace, here's everything I took. But just go and take them people down an evening like Tabernacle with you. Take them people with you. Just get out. I'm sick of the plagues. I'm sick of the frogs. I'm sick of you casting out my devils. I'm sick of the healing. I'm sick of you getting the Holy Ghost when your feet hit the floor in the morning. I don't even know what to do with you. Just take it if you promise to go. I'll go. I'll have my joy. I'll have my peace. And I will go. Hallelujah. It says in Psalms 105, 37, and he brought them forth with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Verse 38. Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them fell upon them. Now look, we know it was God that had done everything. But look how God works. The fear of them now we know our God is one God and they weren't just afraid of the people they were them is the people and their God 
He was afraid of a people and their God. A people that know their God and will do exploits. He is afraid of a people who know their God. He's going to give it back. And if for some reason Satan comes to you and says, you really have no legal right to your freedom. You have no rights to the joy. You have no rights to the peace. You still got some reaping to do. He want to hold that over your head. You owe me. Give all that stuff back. Give me your joy back. You still owe me. You're not really free. You still, see, Pharaoh had that epiphany. Oh, they still owe me. They took all the gold and silver and my free labor. And they, they took from me and took me. It's funny how quick the devil forgets what he took from you. And he took from me. They're going to give it all back. Church, my debt's been paid. <laughs> I don't know the devil one thing. I don't owe him nothing. It's all been forgotten. It's all been washed away by the blood of the lamb. I don't owe him a thing. If anything, he owes me. He owes me for lost time. He owes me wages for lost time. He owes me because he held me a slave. He owes me because he's still trying to hold some things back from me. He's still trying to hold some promises back from him, but he can't have them. He says, you owe me this. You owe me. No, devil, you owe me. You still got some things I'm coming for. You still, you think I've left you alone. You think I'm done plaguing you. Can't do it because we ain't left yet. I still got some plagues to pour out on your head. I still got some young people that have come receive the Holy Ghost. I still got some devils going to be cast out. I still got some things that's going to be poured out on you. We ain't done yet. You owe me. fourth century bc there was a group of egyptian representatives who actually appeared in the court of alexander the great this story is awesome demanding that the jews pay restitution for all the egyptian gold and silver they took along with them during the exodus it's funny i thought that didn't happen i thought the exodus wasn't real well According to the court records of Alexander the Great, this court case happened. Gavia, the son of Pasisa, a simple but wise Jew, requested the sage's permission to present a defense on behalf of the Jews. Gavia asked the Egyptians for evidence that the Jews, I'm going to make up my own word, stole (laughs) and left Egypt with the Egyptians' wealth. The Egyptians said, the crime is clearly recorded in your Torah. The Egyptians gleefully responded. It's right there. You were a sinner. You were lost without hope. Such were some of you, the scripture says. Liars and adulterers. All kind of things. It's recorded right there. It's in your word. He said, it's encoded right there. In that case, Gavia said, the Torah also says that 600,000 Jews were unjustly enslaved by the Egyptians for many, many years. So first, let us start by calculating how much you owe us. (laughs) Woo, glory! Let's start, devil, by calculating how much you got that belongs to me. My debt's been cleared, but there's still some reckoning for you to do. There's still a lake of fire for you. There's still judgment for you. It's time for a reckoning on what you owe me. I owe him nothing. 
It's washed away. I have a clean slate. It's in the sea of God's forgetfulness. I owe him nothing. It says they asked for three days to come up with a response and never returned. Probably a wise decision. The Egyptians came out, I don't know, Israelites came out of Egypt wealthy. They came out blessed and they came out victorious because the scripture had to be fulfilled. It was a time for fulfillment. Every step of the way they walked in fulfillment. They're going on this journey and it's fulfillment after fulfillment. And even though they come to a great stumbling there at Kadesh, that didn't stop the word from being fulfilled. God just had to use a different generation. It was still the seed of Abraham. And they were still going to possess the land. But he had to get somebody else to do it. Genesis 15, 18 says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. This was going to be fulfilled And once again, God had a people, God had a people that wouldn't go all the way. But he said, no, this word's going to be fulfilled. So he put it on someone else to fulfill it. What am I telling you? We're in a season of fulfillment. Make sure you're fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill because someone's going to. Someone is going to rise up. The royal seed of Abraham Moving away from the physical seed for a minute. Once again, God has come into people that had become enslaved. Down through the ages, down through the church ages, they'd become enslaved in a Catholic system. Held them bound with creeds and dogmas of men. Held them by withholding the word from them. That was the main thing they did is they just wouldn't let them have the word. They withheld it from them. But God moved and Luther came out and the reformation began. And it wasn't a reformation for the sake of reformation. It wasn't just let's correct some things. It was a beginning of a journey. It was a beginning of a journey to return back to the original. To return back to how God started the church. I know we say it here and you've heard it before. But God started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants the church the way he started it. He wants it back to how he started. Brother Brown said it comes back to the original grain. Is that right? And his ministry comes from them reformations back to the original word again. The word comes to a prophet and he promised it in Malachi 4. And to restore the faith of the people back to the original grain. What went into the ground there is here the same. Someone's going to fulfill Someone's going to go all the way back to the original. There's got to come somebody, church. Brother Aaron, you keep hammering this. You keep hammering this. That's what the sermon's about. We're going to keep hammering a little bit longer. There's got to be somebody that's not going to stop short, and they're going to fulfill all that was promised to them. A people willing to cross over the river into the original. Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar. 
and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. There is going to be a people that's restored back to before the locusts. Restored back to before the canker worm. Restored back to before the palmer worm. And restored back before the Nicene Council. When Rome put their hands firmly on it. Somebody's going to be willing to cross over. Let's just say it. Back to Pentecost again. Cross over back to the original Pentecost. Back to the grain again. Beyond the shuck. Beyond the reformation. Because it's only in that place. Listen, it's only in the place of the original. Only in the place of the grain again. That you can be in position to fulfill what God wants fulfilled in this day. You can't fulfill the rapture outside of the original. You can't fulfill greater than these works shall you do outside of the original. You have to cross back over into the original in order to be able to fulfill Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh stopped just short of crossing over. They stopped just short of fulfilling what they were supposed to fulfill. They were supposed to fill the possessing of the promised land. They did not fulfill it because they did not cross over. Okay, but today we're living in a time of crossing over. We're living in the day of fulfillment. Listen, it didn't matter that Gad and Reuben didn't cross over the day before. Because it wasn't crossing day. It didn't matter that they didn't cross over day before that. Because everybody was camped out. Waiting for the time. But when the time came. And it was time to possess. It was time to fulfill. And they didn't move then. Then somebody else got their inheritance. Somebody else was granted their portion because instead of 12 tribes inheriting, now nine and a half tribes inherited and the sizes of their land was enlarged. Your portion is going to be inherited. Somebody's going to take the rapture. Somebody's going to believe for healing. Somebody's going to believe for everything in the word. And if you don't, it's not going to stop the fulfillment. Somebody else is just going to do it. Somebody else is going to take your portion. On crossing over day, listen, it is the time of fulfillment. It is the time to cross over. Brother Brown says, now what have we adopted today? We've adopted other things. We've adopted church membership instead of the upper room. We've adopted theology instead of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've adopted everything else in the stead of the thing that God told us to do. Because we've listened to the rules and orders of men. But when that gospel light shined in the morning over yonder on the eastern country... Oh, it's been a day that wasn't dark nor light. It's been a day hazy. The sun and its power could not be seen. A mixed light, a hazy day. They know the sun was shining, but the clouds has just put it out of their sight. People's had enough faith to say, yes, Jesus was the son of God. Oh, he's gone, gone way away. We can see enough to believe for salvation, but you can't believe all of it. They stop short. Like the prophets, when the king come to him, like the prophet, when the king come to him and asked him for victory, get a victory over Syria, he put his hand on his arms and said, strike the floor. And he only struck twice. And the prophet said, why didn't you strike many times? You come short. 
God would have given you many victories. And I say with this reverence tonight in the church, the church has been striking short of what God revealed to them. Striking short. They only struck a couple times. We can be free from sin. That's good. We can have joy. That's good. But why don't we strike for divine healing? Why don't we strike for the power of God? Why don't we strike for the restoration of the gifts? Why don't we strike that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? While God's got his hand rested on ours, let's win the victory over sin. And everything that Jesus died to free us from, the church is striking short. They just make a little strike, but it don't do no good. Like we strike just one time, two times. Let's keep striking. Calvary spelled freedom. Calvary don't strike short. Everything the Bible says it with everything. How do you do it? The prophet, the seer had his hand on him. As long as Christ has got his hand on you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Keep striking. God is with you. Church, let's not just strike twice today, but let's keep striking and keep striking and keep striking. God, I won't give up. There's still promises. There's still more. I'm going to strike. I'm going to strike as long as his hand's on me. I'm going to keep striking. Not just for justification. I thank you for that, Lord. Not just just sanctification. I thank you for that, Lord. But I need your Holy Spirit. I'm going to strike until I'm all the way back to the original. I'm going to strike till I'm back in the book of Acts. I'm going to strike till we cross the river. Keep striking. Young people, don't just strike for a jump and shout. Strike for more. Don't just strike for excitement. Strike for more. Oh, you know I love a jump and a shout. But just don't stop there. Strike for more. You keep striking until you know you're sealed away. He says strike for the power of God. Strike for healing. Strike for gifts. Strike for it all. Don't strike short. Listen, all those things he said individually is good land. Nobody doubted that Reuben and Gad stopped in good land. There was more. The promised land contained it all. He's saying, he's not telling you not to strike for those things. He's saying strike for all of them. It's like when people say, well, we don't need tongues in this anymore because when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part is done away with. Well, if you do away with a part of the whole, you don't have the whole anymore. That's what Brother Brown is saying. Don't just strike for part. Get all of it. Get every last bit of it. Reuben and Gad stopped in a good land. The denominations found some good land. There's no doubt. They found places to settle. They found some words that were truth. And they stopped right there and they put a period after their experience. And that's where so many are at today. Even in the ranks of the message. They've walked in fulfillment all the way up to the borderland of the original But just haven't crossed over. They're standing right on the borderland of the original. That's not to be judgmental. That's just saying, come on in. Come on, there's plenty. What did Moses tell them? That if they didn't do everything they said, they could still have land in the promise. Come on in. The land's good. It's everything God promised it would be. You don't have to stay out there. You don't have to stay on the border. Come on in. Water's good. The land's good. It's flowing with milk and honey. Everything he promised in this Holy Ghost land is here. There's healing here. There's deliverance here. There's joy here. There's shouting here. There's speaking in tongues here. There's prophecy here. It's all in the land. Come on across. It's a good land. Enter into this land. 
You're living below your privileges. And in that condition, living on the other side of the original, you aren't in place to fulfill what the bride is called to fulfill. Reuben and Gad actually denied the leadership of Jehovah, even though they had followed the leadership of Jehovah for all those years. But by not crossing over, they denied his leadership. They followed it all the way up to the River Jordan. But when it came time to the complete giving over to God and laying their will aside and doing everything that he wanted them to do, they couldn't do it. They followed him through justification. They followed him through sanctification. They followed the message far enough to recognize the error of the denominations. They followed it far enough to believe God sent a prophet. They followed it far enough to stay under its protection and to stay under its anointing and its blessings and to find healing and to find deliverances. They followed the leadership that far. And even so far as going on to say that we've got the Holy Ghost, but on our terms. Only on terms that we're comfortable with. Only on terms of, well, we received the Holy Ghost because we believed. Or we got the Holy Ghost because we accepted the message. We received the Holy Ghost without experience, like Mary. Uh, That ain't the original. That's not crossing back over into the original. At the original, they staggered like drunk people and spoke in tongues. Brother Branham says, the mother of Jesus Christ had to go up there and be included in that bunch of people. So drunk on the spirit till she staggered like she was drunk on whiskey or something. And you think you'll get to heaven by slipping over to the church and putting your songbook under your arm and walking over every Sunday morning and the bell tolls and you sit and listen and walk back? You'll never do it. You'll have to come that route because that's the only route God ever laid down and ever has. We're not going to argue anyway, but that's unarguable. That's pretty straight. And you'll walk it or you won't be there. That's even straighter. I'm not your judge, but I'm preaching the gospel. That's exactly the truth. The blessed virgin was right there, acted just as idiotic as the rest of them did. Your young people are acting like idiots. Yes, sir. I was hoping you'd say that. They're just jumping and shouting and acting like idiots. Praise God. Prophet said that's the only way. I didn't stutter. Read it just how he said it. I'm preaching the gospel. That's exactly the truth. These men and women, every one of them was full of new wine. If God ever changed that program, put your finger on the scripture for me. It isn't there. No, sir. It was plumb on to the end of the age that way. Plumb on to the end of the Bible. And it will be the same thing when Jesus comes. Well, Brother Aaron, I'm going to steal the line that I heard Brother Danny say. What year did he say that? In the year that he was a prophet. I can guarantee you the year he said that he was a prophet. He said there'd be a prophet rise in the last days. Malachi 4, given the signs of the days of Lot, so forth. Also prophesying for the people to return back. Turn back to the faith of the first Pentecostal fathers. Turn back to the original. Turn back to the Bible. Get away from organization and denomination and go back to the first. Go back to the original Pentecost. To the original filling of the Holy Ghost. To the original power of God. The word testifies that that will happen. 
It shall be light in the evening time. The path to glory you will surely find in waterway, the light today, buried in the precious name of Jesus. Young and old, repent of all your sins. The Holy Ghost will surely enter in. The evening light has come. It is the fact that God and Christ are one. God witnesses the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost itself living in us would never affiliate itself in organization. You can't organize God. He's God. What will it do? Go back the way it was at the first place. It'll go back to the beginning, back to the original, back to where it started from. It'll baptize the same way they did. It'll teach the Holy Ghost the same way it did. They'll teach the people the same way it did. It'll abstain from organization like they did. It will have a room for all like they did who will come. They'll be clean and holy like they did. They'll be filled with the spirit like they were. They'll be fearless like they were. And the same things that happened to them will happen to these in the last days in the evening light like it was before. I don't know how to put it any clearer, but we got to cross over back into the original again. That's what this exodus is about. It brought us out of Egypt. It brought us out of the world. It brought us out of denominations. Where is it taking us? Back to the original. It's taking us back to the way the church was when God started it. Because it's the only way you can take a rapture. You will not fulfill unless you come all the way back to what God intended at the beginning. To the good land. The Holy Ghost land. It's a land of deliverance. It's a land of the Holy Ghost. It is a land of the supernatural. Anything that would turn you away from the supernatural is not of God. We've got the most supernatural message that's ever struck the face of the earth. And we got people denying the supernatural. You don't believe the message. You may believe God sent a prophet, but you don't believe the message that prophet brought. Satan hates the supernatural. He wants to keep you away from the supernatural. And so what he'll do is he'll come and he'll put doubts in your mind about the supernatural. More doubts about that than anything. Well, I wonder if it really happened to that sister the way she said. I wonder if they were really sick. Well, they jumped and shouted, but I've seen other people jump and shout and they they were lost. I've seen this. Well, I'm not sure. Those tongues, yeah. Interpretation, I could have made that up. Testimonies I have found get questioned almost more than any other thing in people's heart. It's, I wonder if that's really how it happened. Because the devil wants to make you question the supernatural, he wants to make you doubt the authenticity of supernatural events. Because it's Satan's tactic to undermine the supernatural and make these things seem merely a coincidence. Well, you know, maybe, maybe the cancer was gone, Sister Alana, before you ever got prayed for. I mean, maybe it was just already gone. Maybe it really didn't have nothing to do with, with the, the supernatural power of God. Maybe, you know, I mean, she had a few treatments. Maybe that took care of it. It begins to make you wonder to attack the authenticity of supernatural events because it's his tactic to undermine the supernatural and make it seem a coincidence. Why? Because it's the supernatural that's going to take you out of here. It's the supernatural that changes your life. So if he can make you doubt the supernatural, even in the level of healing, then how are you going to believe for a rapture? He attacks the supernatural. He attacks the supernatural over and over. Oh, it wasn't that big a deal. Or if he can take you that far, he'll make you believe it was entirely false. And unfortunately, even ministers 
will spend time attacking the supernatural even though they claim to be following a supernatural message. And just as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses and tried to act like there was nothing to the miracles, there was nothing to the power of God. That's the job of those that would come against the supernatural. What was the intent of Janice and Jambres? To discredit the supernatural. To remove faith in the power that was going to take them out of Egypt. It was the supernatural that was going to take them out of Egypt. So let's make them believe that was just a magician's trick. People get healed in the denominational church too. People run and shout down at the UPC church all the time. It's just emotion. It's not, it's not God. There's people getting healed. I mean, it's nothing special. It's not supernatural. And so they point to the, to, to the powers and they say, see, look, we got miracles too. They jump and shout too. It's only emotion. It's only a magician's trick. But the same power that turned Moses' rod into a snake was the same power that was going to plague Egypt. The same power that turned his rod into a snake was the power that was going to open the Red Sea. That same power that turned his rod into a snake was the same power that was going to rain manna down out of heaven. It was the same power. And so they were trying to take that away from them. They're trying to rob it from them. They're trying to point to the supernatural. I say, don't worry about what they're pointing to. Don't worry about what they're mocking. The same power of God that sweeps through this building and heals our sick. The same power that comes and makes you shout, makes you speak in tongues. The same power that makes you run around the church and dance and do the things that you do. It's the same power that's going to take us out of here. It's the same power that's healing our sick. It's the same power that's going to rapture the church. I say go ahead and rejoice in it. I'm not worried what they say. I'm not worried if others have it. God bless you. But it's the same power and I'm going to worship in spirit and truth in that power. It's the power that's going to take me out of here. So the enemy wants to make it seem like it's not a big deal. It is the power of transformation. It is the supernatural. It is the rapturing power that we have to have. It's what's going to take us out of here. And we've reached the age of fulfillment. I want to be in the place that I can fulfill all the scriptures spoken of the bride in this day. I want to be where the message placed me. Because if I haven't allowed myself to be positionally placed then I can't operate and fulfill what the bride is called to fulfill. I can't fulfill the rapture, as I've said. That's not going to stop the rapture. Those that have crossed into fulfillment, back to the original, they're going to take it. They're going to have the rapture. Reuben and Gad didn't stop Israel from taking the land. Make a little turn here. So we start... Heading for home. Let's go to Genesis 49 where we started. We already read the prophecies and the blessings that Jacob spoke over his sons. I didn't read all of them, but I read down through Gad. And we're going to look at these prophecies. And in these prophecies, it kind of helps us to understand why they made the choices they made. And even the conduct of the tribes down through the generations and the fulfillment that comes through these tribes. We're not going to go through all 12, but we see that the greatest blessing by far is pronounced on Judah. And we know that Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. 
He's the root and the offspring of David. It says he's the firstborn of many brethren. Colossians would tell us that he's the firstborn of every creature. Now, nothing is by accident. And we've already said that God will work everything according to his will to make his word come into fulfillment. That it might be fulfilled. And we have established these things in the scripture. And Judah is the tribe of the firstborn by assignment because Reuben lost the birthright. The, the prophecy very clearly says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn. But he lost the birthright. He was technically Jacob's firstborn, but he forfeited the firstborn rights of his inheritance through his misconduct. And he lost them to Judah. You can find this in 49, Genesis 49, 3 and 4, also in 1 Chronicles 5 and 1. And it is for this reason that the ruler's scepter belongs to Judah. And we see that in Genesis 49, 10. He has become the firstborn as it were. 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And he receives the privileges of the firstborn right there forever. And when we think of Jacob's blessings upon his sons, we have to realize that each prophetic blessing was not so much upon an individual as it was upon his future descendants. It was more intended as a prophecy upon the thousands and thousands and thousands of descendants who would be born into that tribe down through the ages. Not only was he pronouncing the destinies of these tribes, he was pronouncing the characteristics that each of these tribes would develop. I'm trying to hold it in for a few more minutes. And those characteristics were but extensions of the already developed and displayed characteristics of his sons. He could look at the characteristics of his sons and say those that come from him are going to be just like him. Those that come from this one are going to act just like this one. That's why I can look down through time and tell you what they're going to do and tell you where they're going to fall short and tell you where they're going to fail. But I can also tell you who's going to overcome. Genesis 49, 3, he says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. It sounds good. Next verse. Unstable as water. It's his characteristic. That's his most dominating characteristic. It's the first thing he calls out. Because thou... Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Unstable makes bad decisions like not crossing over. We'll never excel because he makes bad decisions because he is unstable as water. You know, family cycles have been around a lot longer than what you realize. Imagine growing up in the tribe, under this prophecy, every generation after every generation after every generation after every generation. You had to be a real cycle breaker to even excel coming out of this tribe. As we all have cycles to break. We all have things we have to battle. Don't let it stop you. Don't look back at your family history and say, we failed, we failed, we failed, so I'm going to fail. No. Be a cycle breaker. 
Look, every age has went down the cycle of revival and death, revival and death, revival and death. But somebody's going to be revival and rapture. Somebody's got to break that cycle. Somebody's got to break the cycle. When it comes to your natural family, be a cycle breaker. Genesis 49, 19. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. It's like, I believe it's the shortest of all the prophecies and blessings. I can imagine sitting there waiting on your blessing. And? Well, what's that mean? Can you imagine waiting on your inheritance? A troop's going to overcome you. You're going to overcome at the last. Am I going to inherit anything? What's going to happen? What it's actually speaking of, if you dig down into it, is it speaking of the fact that Gad is going to become a great military tribe. And they were. They were fierce warriors. But the reason they became such of a great military tribe is because they were constantly attacked. They were constantly attacked. Their entire lineage is that they're in battle after battle after battle. And they have to fight off all the enemies all of their days because of their location. Because they chose to settle outside the promised land, they were constantly attacked. They would struggle through life, constantly attacked because they settled short. And it says in the end, they will usually win. Most of the time they'll prevail. But notice they're fighting battles and enduring raids that they didn't have to fight. They're struggling to find victory. They're struggling to stay afloat. They're attacked on all sides because of where they settled. The prophecy saw them there. The prophecy was spoke over them. You're barely going to make it. You're going to struggle. You're going to fight. Yes, in the end, you're probably going to make it by the skin of your teeth. But you didn't have to settle there in the first place. You could have crossed over and possessed it all when you had the opportunity. And the prophecy placed them there and saw them there. The prophecy saw that Reuben would never succeed. Never excel and generation after generation will walk underneath this prophecy. As the characteristics of that patriarch uh, of their tribe would, would play out into a fulfillment in their lives. The characteristics of the patriarch of their tribe would play out in a fulfillment in their lives. Oh, surely you see where we're going. Surely you see where we're going. The characteristics of the sons of Jacob were passed down into the tribes. And the prophecies proved true as they failed to fulfill all that they were called to do. As they failed to cross over. But there is a people called to fulfill all. There is a people on the earth today that in spite of Satan's best efforts have followed the message not only to the river. But they are crossing over the river. I'm not looking to the characteristics of one of the tribes of Jacob. I'm looking to the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He didn't stop short. He conquered all. He conquered death. He conquered hell. So what am I going to do when I manifest the characteristics of my father and the prophecy that's been spoke over me? I'm going to have it all. I'm going to take it all. I'm going to possess all. Glory. Hallelujah. I can't help it. I can't help my genetics. That's my papa. That's my daddy. That's what he did. He overcame. He was victorious. The devil offered him land on this side of the river. He said, you don't got to cross over Chile, Jordan. I'll give you the kingdoms. 
you know, it's kind of hard to bribe somebody with something they're going to get anyway. Yeah, you can't bribe me. Look what I'm about to get. I can't stop short. Look what I'm about to get. I'm about to have a new body. I'm about to have a rapture. I'm about to have eternal life. You got nothing I want. You got nothing I want. And if you do, I'll just take it from you. Hallelujah. He didn't settle short. That's where I trace my lineage back to. Where he conquered, I'm going to conquer. Where he overcame, I'm going to overcome. Because he's my father. The work, why do you think they can say the works that I do shall you do also? How many of us have seen the characteristics of our natural parents in our everyday life? Because you're going to be like them. And the same thing applies in the spiritual. There was a prophecy spoken over Jacob's son. And there's been a prophecy spoken over you. The prophecy claims you. Oh, thank you, God. The prophecy has claimed you. Satan tries to lay claim to you and says that you're mine. You belong to me. Everything you got is mine, but the prophecy claims you as a seed gene of God. This prophetic message called your name. Daddy told you who you are. It was a message straight from the throne. If somebody else's daddy tells me where I came from, I don't really care. You wasn't there. You don't know. And even if you know some of the truth, you probably got it mixed up and you don't know all the details. Satan's message, I don't listen to. He's not my daddy. He's not my father. I'm not listening to it. This message called your name. This message called you to fulfill everything. You saw this message and you said, Mama, that's me. That's me right there. That's why it's calling my name. Look, all I had to do was eat. And I was going to manifest the genetics that was on the inside of me. Jude, I'm sorry. It is what it is. All you got to do is eat and you're going to manifest the genetics on the inside of you. All you got to do is eat. All you got to do is feed on it. There's something on the inside that's going to start to manifest the genetics on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Just start eating a little more. I'm getting a little weak, a little worn out. Just eat. You're going to manifest exactly what you are. You're a seed gene of almighty God. He is your father. He has called you to fulfill it. Hallelujah. I am a spiritual gene. Well, I can't remember being born. Yeah, but my mom and dad told me about it. And I believe them. Satan says... I got a claim on you. And God says, no. Before the foundation of the world, you were mine. I might not can remember it, but daddy told me about it. Daddy didn't tell me all about it. Let me read a few of these quotes as we begin to close now. Heavenly Father, as the day is growing dim now, the signs of his appearing is at hand. We see the church, that little handful of elected, called out, predestinated before the beginning of the world. Names are put on the Lamb's book of life before there was a foundation of the world. The Holy Spirit has sought through the nations and around the world until he's called this little group. 
All the Father has given me will come to me. All that comes to me, I'll give him everlasting life. Raise him up in the last day. The same God that before the foundation of the world called your name and wrote it on the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world has already made a place in glory for you. Hallelujah. What are we worried about? What are we going along looking like this? Well, I just wonder, lift up your heads. The Bible said, lift up the feeble knee and let the hands raise up that once hung down. Let him that's weak say, I am strong. Amen. For the gospel is delivered this good news. And this morning, the Holy Spirit through the word bringing you the good news that from the foundation of the world, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life and all the devils out of hell can't erase it out of there. Hallelujah. What you worried about? It can't be erased. It can't be taken off. You are a seed gene of God. He knew you. The devil never owned you. The devil has no right to you. You are called to fulfill all of the scriptures. Who's going to fulfill it all, Brother Aaron? You are. Well, who's going to overcome all these things, Brother Aaron? You are. You are going to cross over into fulfillment. You will possess the land because you are a seed gene of a mighty conqueror. You are part of him. That's everything right there. Brother Brown says, because the bride and the bridegroom are one. She is just a smitten piece off of him. There is the masterpiece. It was smitten. Michelangelo could not reproduce that again. He could not put it back, but God's going to do it. He's going to bring this little bride that's smitten right back to the side of the original word. And there he is. There is the masterpiece, the family, back again in the Garden of Eden. Church, that's why you identify with it. That's why it identifies with you. Because it's who you are. It's what you are. It's who you are. Well, how do I know? Because he told you. How do I know? Because it called your name. Because you feel the pull, because there's something pulling you harder that direction than there is something right here. I heard Brother Ron say something last night that so thrilled my heart. He said, for the believer, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. Hallelujah. For the believer, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. Because he went to hell for you. He conquered hell for you. Now you don't have to go. This is as bad as it's ever going to get for a believer. But I'll tell you something about where we're going. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be eternal. It's going to be back home again in Eden with our Father. Hallelujah. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at the evening time it shall be light. Check. In other words, Brother Branham says, John, you know who I am. I'm the high priest. That's true. John, I have need to be baptized of thee. But we've got to fulfill all righteousness. And I have need to be baptized of thee now to fulfill the word of God. Because all the words got to be fulfilled. And we are the lights of the day. And it's up to us to fulfill all this. And I know that your righteousness and your desire is to fulfill the word. It's becoming to us. We are the lights. The light of every age should do the same thing. We know what's got to be fulfilled. You who are spiritual and know the word of God. You see What God has promised. As we walk in the evening light, church, 
We got to press harder than ever before. We got to press into that land of fulfillment. It's getting harder and harder. Brother Brown says the word don't always come easy. The fulfillment don't always come easy. But we got to be willing to press in. The musicians can come as I finish this. We are claimed by an eternal word to be the final serpent bruisers. The final serpent bruisers. We are the very instrument that God will use to fulfill all that was written in the New Testament. I hope I was able to get it across today. We're not just looking for fulfillment. We're looking to fulfill. We must go and fulfill. I've got a few quotes I'd like to read. They're just too good not to read. Now the only way to, be a, to live a life worthy is to let Christ and his word reflect itself so perfect in you till God vindicates what he said in the word. For Christ died that he might present himself before God a sacrifice and it returned back in the form of the Holy Ghost to reflect himself through his people to carry on his work. Reflecting himself through you to fulfill his promised word in these future days. Like John the Baptist heard. Brother Brown tells stories in a way that don't come from one's imagination. Come from one who saw it. Like John the Baptist heard when he heard Christ come. And Christ walked out into the water and John said, behold, the Lamb of God. Nobody else saw it, but he saw it. That light coming down from heaven like a dove. And a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. He saw it coming. And Jesus walked out into the water, Emmanuel, before a preacher that was supposed to be a radical. Walked out into the water before the people and said, I need to be baptized of you. John said, Lord, I have need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou to me? Both of them eyes met one another. A prophet and his God. Amen. I would love to stand and watch that. See them stern, deep-set eyes of John peel down and find them stern, deep-set eyes of Jesus. Second cousins to one another in the flesh. Jesus said, John, suffer it to be so now. For thus it behooveth us. We're the message of this hour. It behooveth us to fulfill the righteousness. We're the message of this hour. It behooveth us to fill, fill righteousness. Brother Aaron, I'm not so sure I can make it. I know you're going to make it. You've been claimed by a prophecy. It's not Reuben's prophecy. It's not the prophecy of Gad. I descend from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the royal seed of Abraham. The royal seed that will not fall. We are the message of this hour. And he's called you to fulfill all. He's called you to cross over into fulfillment. He could have called billions and billions and millions of other people. He could have called important people. He could have called presidents and governors and princes and he called you. He called me. He could have called anyone. He said, they'll fulfill it. They'll do the work. I've got confidence in them. You say, I've got confidence in my God. He's got confidence in you. It behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. But what about this and what about that? The world's falling apart. God's word's going to be fulfilled. He couldn't stop Jesus. 
from fulfilling every word that spoke of him in the Old Testament. And every word that speaks of the groom speaks of the bride. He can't stop you from fulfilling every word in the New Testament. You say, I'm supposed to fulfill everything in the New Testament? All of it that applies to Jesus and his bride. Brother Brown says, now for nearly 2,000 years, God has been again making him a masterpiece because he struck Adam to get a piece off of him, a rib to make a wife for him. And now that perfect masterpiece that he struck at Calvary, he got a piece off of him. It's just the New Testament. That's all. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament. Another piece to be fulfilled. See, the new old, the new and old is husband and wife, see. And it taken the new, it taken the old to foreshadow the new. Christ come, the masterpiece to fulfill that. Now his bride will fulfill everything that's in the New Testament. Another masterpiece in the making. Will you stand together with me? You masterpiece of God, you bride of Jesus Christ, you that is called to fulfill all. How am I going to do it? Look what daddy did. Just keep eating. Just keep eating. You can't help what your genetics are. You can't help what you've been called to be. You're going to cross over into complete and total fulfillment, which is complete and total victory. Church, there, I, I'm sorry, there's just so many incredible, wonderful quotes from spoken words, the original seed, and from Masterpiece, and I have so many more I'd love to read, but I want to tell you this. Brother Branham had a vision, and in that vision, he saw the bride come through. He said it was a lovely group. But then he says that the voice spoke to him and said, now the church. And as it comes through, it's a church from every different country and and I'm paraphrasing uh, allow me that liberty please please and he said he was heartbroken at what he saw he said this is the best that I could do this is the best that I could do this is the best that all the preaching and all the ministry could produce the church has fulfilled that part of the vision that part of the vision is fulfilled he says but the bride must come into preview again back to the original you say I see struggles and I see hardship and I see this and I see that I see a people fulfilling the preview of the bride I see a people fulfilling that part of the vision I see a people walking in step with onward Christian soldier I see a people that the message you are the creation of this message this message spoke you into existence You wouldn't be here without this message. You are the vindication that this message is truth. Somebody's fulfilling the last part of the vision. And here she came. A holy group. An overcoming group. A victorious group. A group called to fulfill the vision. You say I'm struggling. I don't make you not bride. Brother Branham saw that and he said get back in line. Just get back in line this morning. Oh, I've gotten out of step. That's okay. Get back in line. There's grace here. There's mercy here. Fulfill the vision that God has called you to fulfill. God bless you, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.